from um, any wild idea? What passage? How do you know this stuff? Man, I have people here who knows their things. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so let's turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 10. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Here's what Paul said. I'm going to read from the New King James. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to stop at verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. All right, so today is our fifth week, um, talking about Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And as we are accustomed now, it's our time for pop quiz, right? All right, so how many weeks? Five weeks. What did we say so far? What was the first point we talked about in regarding to that passage? And once again, the title is The Exceeding Riches of His Grace. What was point number one? The Exceeding Riches of His Grace in Its Reach. And that was verses one, two, three. And Sister Nancy, as I promised last time, you'll get a sticker today <laughs> for doing that. Let's see if that will go with me. Here you go. <laughs> I have stickers for everybody, okay? So the exceeding riches of his grace in its reach. Yeah, Elizabeth is not here, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find a way. Um, we talked about that, verses 1 to 3, that the exceeding riches of his grace reaches to those who are dead in trespasses and sins. Number two, slaves to Satan and slaves to the world. And number three, those who are wicked by nature and every thought, every mind, every will they have is wicked before God. And number four, they are children of wrath by nature, born up in the messed up family of Adam. So that is the exceeding riches of his grace, verses one to three. The following week, we talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its source. source. And Barb, you'll get a sticker too. And that was verse number four. What did we say? We said that the source of the exceeding riches of God's grace is this. But God, who is rich in mercy, that's where the grace comes from. God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when 
We were dead. He made us alive together with Christ. That's the source of the exceeding riches of this grace. And the third week, we talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its works. Works, exactly. Yeah, I think I'm just going to give you the whole thing, okay? (laughs) You get another sticker. Here you go. Let me see if I can reach that far. Here you go. (laughs) Let's see who collects the most. We said it's the exceeding riches of his grace and its work. What does this exceeding riches of the grace of God do? And we said it picks up those who are dead in trespasses and sins, raise them up, well, make them alive first, and then raise them up and make them to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what the grace does. And we say this is what the grace do to a sinful man when it comes to a holy God. Okay? So that was week number three. Week number four, that was last week. I hope you remember this one. We talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its middleman. Man, somebody has been studying. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) The third one. You keep these from me, okay? Here you go. Exactly. We talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its middleman. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. We shared about verse 7 last um, weekend when we said, That God has showed us this exceeding riches in His grace. And here is why. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. Where do we find this grace? Where do we find this kindness? In Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. No more stickers because I'm assuming you don't know what I'm going to talk about today. But you might do. Now we're going to talk about the exceeding riches of His grace in its definition. What does it mean, this exceeding riches of his grace? And that will be verse 8 and verse 9. And here is what Paul said. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That grace, if we want to define what is grace, it's this. It's unmerited favor. Something you don't deserve. Yet God decide to do to you anyway. And in the context here, when it comes to the exceeding riches of the grace of God, this unmerited favor that God has done for you and me is salvation, is eternal life, is making us right with God. And here's what Paul say. You don't deserve it and you don't have to work for it. You can't earn it. It's absolutely free. It's by grace through faith. And then he explains that. He said, it is not of yourselves. It's God's gift. And number two, you can't work for it. You can't earn it. You know, so nobody can boast before God. Amen? So that's the definition of that grace. Now, I want you to understand clearly today's message. Because today we're going to talk about how you can receive that grace. Okay? So stop me if 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 I'm not clear. Just raise your hand and we'll stop. Because... Please, 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 please make sure you understand today how you can receive that grace. Amen? All right. So here is how is Paul telling you and me how we can be made right with God. How we can be raised up from the dead and how we can be seated in the heavenly places. He says that in the first part of verse 8. And he says this. You are saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. Let's all say it together. By grace through faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about these two 
sentences. By grace and through faith. Number one, we are saved by grace. And once again, grace is unmerited favor. Something you cannot earn from God. You just get it for free, even though you don't deserve it. Even though you cannot earn it, God just decides to be good to you. And Paul is saying that salvation is a free gift from God to man. God gives you salvation by absolute pure goodness and grace that you don't deserve. All right? And it's not that we read that only here in the Bible. We can see that throughout the scripture. That salvation is a free gift from God to man. I don't know about you. This is really good news. Amen. Remember, we just said in verse 1 that we were dead. And the dead person cannot do anything to improve themselves. Right? So we are actually helpless and hopeless. And there is nothing we can bring to the table to be made right with God. But when God saw that we cannot save ourselves, he decided to do, do, to do all the work for us, all right? So he did this amazing and complete salvation in the cross of Jesus, and he decided to give it to us as an absolute free gift without you even try to work for it. Amen? This is good news, friends. So let's talk about that. Salvation is a gift from God, free gift from God. We're going to talk about that in a negative sense and in a positive sense. In a negative sense... It's a free gift because there is nothing. You cannot be saved by works. There is no works you can do to be made right with God. Let's look at that in the scripture. In the context we were just reading, Ephesians chapter 2, as we just discussed, Paul said that we're dead. And we talked about that. And a dead person cannot bring anything to the table. So there is no good works we can do to be made right with God. Amen? That's scripture number one. Scripture number two. Ephesians 1.7. Look what Paul said. In him. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses and sins. And then he says, according to your good works. According to what? According to his grace. According to the free gift, unmerited favor of God. You can be forgiven not by trying to reach out to God. Not by doing good works. By, by God's pure gift and grace to you. Amen. Scripture number 3, Titus 3, 4 to 7. Look at what Paul said. He said, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. How? How did God show us kindness and love? Look at verse 5. Not by what? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Not because you were good, not because you did good, not because you were trying. You could not bring anything to the table, not by the work of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his what? Mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then he says, but, and that having been justified, how? By good works? Nope. By His grace, you should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So Paul was saying to Titus, Hey, remember, we can't be saved by our works. There is no good works that we can bring to God and say, God, use these good works to save us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Not by works of righteousness in the, in the book of Titus. And look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Here is what Paul said. About God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. How? Not according to our 
works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Do you see it? Over and over and over and over again in the Bible, the, the Bible, the scriptures clearly says that you cannot do good works to come to God. There is nothing that you can bring to God to earn salvation. If this truth sink in our heads and our hearts, that's a massive revival right there. Every time you go out and share the gospel with a person, for me personally, I ask people, hey, you think you're going to go to heaven or hell? Oh, I'm going to go to heaven. Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? You know the universal, pretty much standard answer is this. Because I am a good person. I do good things. I might have messed up here and there. But hey, I'm trying hard and I'm doing my best. And I'm bringing a lot to God. Hey, if anybody can be saved in this place, it is me. Because I do a lot. But the scripture doesn't say anything remote, remotely related to that. The Bible clearly says that we cannot bring anything to the table. There is no enough good works that you can do to be made right with God. Amen? So negatively, salvation is a free gift because you can't do anything to be made right with God. But positively, salvation is a free gift because the Bible says it's a free gift from God to man. Look at this. The first scripture in Romans 3.24. Look at what Paul said. Having been justified, how? Freely. You follow me? Being justified freely. Now, freely, that means how much you have worked for it nothing how much effort you have put to be justified before God nothing how much good work you have brought to the table nothing you can bring nothing because justification and salvation is a free gift from God to man you have justified freely how by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus that's Romans 3:24. Now Romans 5.18, look at what Paul said. Therefore, as though one man's offense, that's Adam's offense, judgment came to all men. Because Adam fell, God's wrath came upon him and upon all his descendants, that's you and me, resulting in condemnation even so. Look at this. Through one man's righteous act, that's the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you and me, that what? The free Gift came to all men, resulting into the justification of life. The free gift. Jesus did it all on the cross, and he paid the whole price on the cross. And because he did it on the cross, now salvation, justification, is a free gift from God to man. I don't know about you, this is good news. Amen? Amen. Look at the the third scripture. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Now, wages. Look at this. The wages of sin is death. When I go to work, I'm expecting something at the end of a two-week pay period. What am I expecting? Wages. wages. What's that? Salary. salary. Wages. I worked for it. I invested time, and I'm expecting something in return, Right? And this is how it works with sin. You sin against God? Well, that's fine. There is a paycheck you're going to receive at the end. And that paycheck called death. To be separated from God. We talked about that when we talked about being dead in sins. To be separated from God for all eternity. And that's, that's what you get. That's what you work for. That's what you earn. Because you sin against God. Okay? 
But look at the rest of that verse. Does it say, but the wages of God is eternal life? Does your Bible say the wages of God is eternal life? The gift of God, not the wages of God. Because you can't work to earn salvation from God. Salvation is a free gift from God to man. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. Last, last scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Here is what Paul said. But it is from him. That you are in Christ Jesus who has become gift to us. He has become a God-given wisdom for us. Our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. What Paul was saying is righteousness, justification and redemption are gifts that God has wrapped up and has given us when he given us Christ Jesus on the cross. Amen? Salvation is a free gift. Negatively, there is nothing you can bring to the table. No good works is good enough to make you right with a holy and righteous God. But the flip side of that, the Bible is clear that salvation, justification, eternal life is a gift from God to man. Amen? Amen. This is good news, friends. But how can you receive this gift? And here is what Paul said. You can receive it through faith. So it's by grace, salvation is a gift, you receive it freely, but you, your part is by faith. You receive that gift through faith. Now, I have to say, being in the church, even when you go out and evangelize or share the gospel, you hear a lot of people saying, you must receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or even that, you know, salvation is by faith alone. But if you are not a Christian, if you don't know what that means, you listen to these words and you don't know what the meanings behind that. So today I just want to strip that out from all the theology and just be the practicality. What does that mean? Because a lot of people hear it, but they don't understand it. And a lot of people in our churches, they know that salvation is by faith alone, but they don't know what that means. They think that faith alone means, okay, I know Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross. That's faith. Now let me try to work. And this is, this is what they try to bring to the table. And they think their intellectual knowledge plus trying to do good works equals salvation. And that is not true. That is not true at all. You cannot be intellectually aware of the Christian doctrine, plus try to do your very best and say, hey, I'm saved. You're not. Because that's what, not what Paul was talking about here when he said that salvation is by faith alone. Amen? So stop me if you don't understand me. We're going to try to get down to the nitty gritty and understand exactly what Paul was saying here. Amen? But salvation, listen to this, is a free gift and you can receive it by faith alone. Now, what is that? What is that faith that can save you and me? The word faith in the Bible actually has so many meanings. I mean, the simple meaning for it is to trust. You know, like God said, I am good. So you're going through a hard time, but you trust that God is good regardless of whatever you're experiencing. And trust the unseen verses that you are seeing. That's the simple understanding of the word faith. However, there's at least five different meanings to faith in the scripture. We're not going to go into all of this right now, but... The first word meaning faith is to intellectually know stuff. And the Bible talked about that when he said that even the devils know that God is one. So that's the theory. You know the doctrine. 
And a lot of people think about faith this way. They say, hey, I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe that he shed his blood for my salvation. That's faith, which is true. But this is knowledge. This is intellectual knowledge. You can have a totally different set of doctrine, like the Quran is God's work. Muhammad is a prophet from God. And you have your own set of doctrine about who God is and how he looks like. This is just your intellectual knowledge. So that is faith, but that's not what Paul was talking about here. Okay, number two, faith can be salvation faith. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. The faith that gives you God's gift of eternal life. And that's what we're going to talk about in a minute. Number three, faith is the way that a Christian, a believer, who already had faith for salvation, this is the way you can walk with God. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 1. He said that we are saved from faith to faith. He said that in the gospel, the power of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So that is, the faith of salvation leads you to the faith by which you live with God. That's the third kind of faith. And the fourth kind of faith is, faith is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You develop that after you walk with God. And the fifth kind is, faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit. We talked about that when we um, discussed the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's different kind of faith. But I want to just focus on this one kind today. The faith that, is give, that brings salvation from God to you. Okay? And there is an example in the scripture about the person that we know for sure Jesus told her this phrase. Your faith has saved you. And that is the lady, the sinful lady in Luke chapter 7. You can go there and read it. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's the only incidence in the scripture that token salvation. Maybe there's one more, but I can't remember it right now. So anyway, that's the incident that Jesus told the sinful woman, your faith has saved you. So what is that story? What was going on? And what is that faith that saved her? We need to understand that, okay? So the Bible says that Jesus was invited to go to a Pharisee's house. His name was Simon. And Jesus goes there, hanging out with Simon. And the Bible says that there was a sinful woman in that town. And when she heard that Jesus was in the house of the Pharisee, she went there. And she knew that she is very sinful. She knew that she is so broken because of her sin. And she brought a, a, a bottle of, of perfume and she broke it at Jesus. And she just showered him with that perfume. She came to his feet. She kept weeping. And washing his feet with her tears. And not only that, she was drying them with her hair. Long story short, Jesus saw her brokenness. And he said to her, your faith have saved you. Now, what is that faith? What this this lady trusted in that granted her salvation? Let's just look at the story a little bit closer, okay? Number one, she knew that Jesus is good enough to accept her, right? Even, she didn't know what would be the outcome, but she got the courage to go and lay down at Jesus' feet. So she knew going there that Jesus is good enough to accept me. Number two, she knew that she cannot 
get forgiveness on her own. She felt the guilt and the shame of living the life of sin. And she thought, hey, you know what? I cannot get the guilt and the shame off my back. But I know what I can do. I can go to the one person who can do that for me. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And number three, she expressed, expressed some action that shows Jesus that she's really sorry for the kind of life that she has done. It is not the actual events that she done. It's not the bottle of perfume. It's not the tears. It's not the hair. But these are all just to show Jesus that her heart is truly broken for her sin. And that she cannot obtain forgiveness on her own. But she came to the one who can grant her forgiveness. And when she did that, Jesus looked at the trust that she had in him. That he is the one who can forgive her sins and set her free from the guilt and the shame of sin. And he told her that faith that you have placed on me and that you have demonstrated by coming here to my feet that exact faith that has saved you amen Amen. and this is the kind of faith this is how you can receive God's free gift of salvation to you and me it's when when you realize hey I can't bring good works to God to be made right with him there is nothing I can do to bring salvation to myself or get rid of the guilt and the shame of sin in my life But I know that Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He rose again from the dead. And because of what he's done, I can have free salvation. So you come to Jesus like as this sinful woman. Just as you are with all your sin and guilt and shame. And say, I am sorry. Forgive me. Change me. And I want to be a brand new person. And guess what? That very Jesus who forgave that sinful woman will do it for you today. And that faith will save you. And through that faith, you will receive eternal life as a free gift from God to you. Amen? Amen. Clear? More questions? Please understand this clearly. This is very essential. Yes, Wayne? I have a question earlier. You said there were five definitions of faith. Correct. Okay, so um, mental, mental knowledge, that is, know the information. Then salvation faith, then faith by which you live, yeah. the just shall live by faith. Right. That's a lifestyle. And then faith as a gift, and then faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's five kinds. Okay, uh, yes. Go ahead, Esther. Also on that day that the woman was there with broke the perfume and all of it. Yes. Um, there was another guest also. Correct. The, the guy who hosted the, the, the party. And he would not, he would just so arrogant to confess that he's a sinner. But the lady who was actually sinful and she knew that she cannot get herself saved on her own. She's the one who got saved. And the guy who's trying his very best. Listen, thank you for bringing that up. Let's compare these two. The Pharisees who hosted Jesus and the sinful lady who came to Jesus. Let's say they're both 40 years old at that point, just randomly. How hard has this Pharisee been trying to be made right with God till that point? Probably all his life. He's trying to keep the commandments. He's trying to do good works. He's trying to give to the poor. He's trying to preach. He even invited Jesus into his own home. He, hey, Jesus is a good guy. Might as well have him over and give, offer him a free meal. He's trying his very best. Now, this sinful lady, up till that age or up till that point, how hard did she try to be made right with God? She didn't. She, she, she's a sinful woman. She's known for her wickedness. But all what she did is she realized, I can't be made right with God on my own. I am so broken to be fixed on my own. And what Jesus had said to the, to the, to the husband, yes. what did he say at the end? He said that the one who loves more will receive salvation more. 
And this lady loved me more, therefore she, she received the salvation and you didn't do it, so you didn't receive it. Does that answer your question? But I want you guys to realize that faith that saved that lady, it is her trust that it's only Jesus can change her heart. That's what got her saved. Amen? And when you and I come to the point that we realize that we cannot be made right with God on our own and do that like the sinful woman, just come to Jesus as broken as we are and say, I can do it, you do it in me. At that point, you receive God's free salvation as a gift. It's a commitment, it's a decision that you and I have to do. Does that make sense? In other words, the Bible called that repentance. To turn around, say, God, from today forward, I want to live for you. I'm going to give you 100% of my heart. And if you make that commitment, God will give you salvation, eternal life, and justification as a free gift because Jesus already paid for it. All right? Questions? So how do we receive this salvation? It is by grace alone. And how? Through faith alone. Amen? Now... Here's the tricky part about that scripture. Let's just um, analyze that scripture a little bit more. Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And a lot of people think, hey, that means faith is a gift from God to me, right? That's what Paul was saying here. Some people think this way. I disagree. This faith, this repentance, is not a gift from God to you. Salvation is a gift from God to you, but this faith is not a gift from God to you. This faith is your own personal responsibility. You're the one who have to repent. You're the one who have turned back to God and come to Him. But you say, how can you say that? The Bible is clear here that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and is not of ourselves. It is a gift from God. Well, no, no, wait a little bit. Let's just analyze that text a little bit, okay? We're going to prove it grammatically from the structure of that verse and theologically that Paul was not saying that faith is a gift from God to man, but salvation is. So grammatically, if we look back to verse 8 and 9, if you actually look at the notes, I broke it down to you um, in a different way because this is how it's kind of laid out uh, grammatically. Verse 8, the first part says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, okay? And then Paul, two different phrases. He says, and that is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. That's the second part of verse 8. And then verse 9 says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay? So notice that. The second part of verse 8, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. And verse 9, not of, not of works, lest anyone should boast. These two phrases are identical in a way because they start with a statement and then it adds another phrase that explains that statement. You guys follow me? So the second part of verse 8 starts with a statement. That is not of yourselves. And then he say a phrase that explains that statement. It is a gift of God. Does the same thing again in verse 9. It is not of works. And then he does another phrase to explain that statement. Lest anyone should boast. Alright, so it seems like from the structure here that first, uh, the first part of verse 8 when Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that is the big title, and on that title Paul mentioned two different statements, each statement composed of a statement and an explanation to that statement. Did I lose you already? Okay. 
Faith and uh, so, okay, it looks like that way, but what I'm arguing is this it is a gift of God. The question is, what does the word gift here refers to? We have one of two options either it refers to faith when he says you're saved by grace through faith, that's the first option. The second option is the word gift here actually refers to the whole statement that this salvation, which is by grace through faith, is a gift from God. And that's what I'm arguing. I'm saying that the word gift from God here doesn't refer to the word faith, but refers to the bigger statement in in the first part of verse 8 when it says, you are saved. That salvation, which is by grace through faith, is a gift from God. That's what I'm arguing. That's why... Structurally, we see that the second part of verse 8 and verse 9 are both identical and they both rely back and go back and confirm the first part of verse 8, which is salvation is by faith through, uh, by grace through faith. And that salvation, that salvation, what Paul is saying here is this, that salvation, which is by grace through faith, there's two characteristics for it. Number one, this salvation, it is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And number two, it is not of works. It is, lest anybody should boast. That's the structure here. Does that make sense? Good? Questions? Brother Emmanuel, questions? And then, I mean, you can elaborate on that and say, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the repentance is our part, but repentance, what I'm trying to say, is not a gift from God to you. This is your own responsibility. You're the one who has to make a commitment to repent and turn back to God. That's the, grammatically, we don't see that faith is a gift from God to man, but number two, theologically, throughout the scripture, you see that repentance and turning to God and having faith is your responsibility, not God's responsibility. I'll give you a couple of examples. Revelation 22, 17. There's many, but there's just a couple. Here's what the Bible say. The spirit and the bride say, what? Come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who, th- who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So the spirit and the bride and everyone who hears say, what? Come. But whose responsibility to actually do the coming? It is not a gift from God to you to come to Him. It is your responsibility to come to God just as you are with your sins. And that's when you're going to receive salvation as a free gift from God to man. Amen? Isaiah 55 verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You see, it's a free gift. But you're the one who has to come. You're the one who has to repent. You're the one who has to turn to God. And you're the one who say, I'm sorry, I want to live for you from today forward. Second Peter 3.9, look at this. The Lord is not slow about His promise as some count slowness, but He is patient toward us, not wishing that all should perish, but that all should what? Come to repentance. God is willing for all to be saved, but not all will be saved. Why? Because not all will come. But when you come, when you do your part, when you repent, when you turn around, that's when God's free gift will kick in. And that's when you have salvation as a free gift from God to man. Romans, 8, uh, Romans 10, 13. Here is what Paul said. Whoever what calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you have to do something. You have to do what? 
to call upon the name of the Lord. God is not going to give you his calling upon his name as a gift to you. This faith, this coming, this salvation, the salvation itself is a gift, but faith or calling or coming, your part is not a gift from God to you. That's your own responsibility. John 3.16, listen to this. For God so loved what? The whole world that he gave his son for who? For the whole world. And then what John says, that the whole world should be saved? Nope. Even though God loves the whole world, give his son for the whole world, not the whole world will be saved. But only those who what? Believe. Only those who have faith. Only those who repent of their sins. Only those shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. Does that make sense? In Ephesians, Paul never said that this faith, this repentance is a gift from God to you. Because it is not. It's your responsibility. And not only that, throughout the scripture, we never read single time that repentance or faith that saves you is a gift from God to you. We always read it's your responsibility. But we read so many scriptures that says that salvation, justification, and reconciliation, they're all free gifts from God to man. Questions? You have to do your part to receive that amazing, exceeding riches of the grace of God. And that is just like this sinful woman. Turn from your sins and say, God, from today forward, I'm going to live for you. Wayne. Well, I agree with you, but in a way it is a gift to God because he's the one who called us in the first place. If he had called us, we wouldn't have any thought of responding. He provided the salvation. It's available for all. But, and he's calling everybody. He's calling the whole world for salvation. But it's only those who respond. I mean, everything is from God. I'm not taking that away. But what I'm saying is, don't say, you know what? Give faith is a gift from God. Therefore, if he's willing to give it to me, then I'll get it whenever he wants. Because it is not. It's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to respond to God's love by committing your heart to him, just like this sinful woman. And when you do that, you receive his free gift. Does that make sense? It's like, I have a free phone and I want to offer it to you. And I say, hey, I have a free gift. You want to take it? You want to take it. You have to decide if you want to take my free gift or you say, nope, I don't want it. I have a better phone. It's your responsibility to say yes or no to God's free gift of eternal life. Amen? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not, that salvation is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It is not by works lest anyone should boast. And that's the grace of God in its definition. Amen? Amen. All right. Clear like mud? Clear like mud. Okay, let's pray. (laughs) Let's pray. Yes, Lord.